0: Get ready, because aging starts now.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Episode 52 of the Aging Starts Now podcast, I'm Chris Johnson, the attorney and partner here at Tagus McGinnis Elder Care Law. Many clients come to our firm concerned about losing a family farm or property as a result of health care costs, specifically the costs of long term care in a nursing home. In today's podcast, we're going to address those fears. Joining me for the discussion is attorney and fellow partner here, Barbara McGinnis. Barbara, thanks for joining us.
2: Absolutely.
1: So, Barbara, I think we ought to get right down to brass tacks on this. Can people really lose the family farm due to the high cost of nursing home care?
2: Unfortunately, yes, Chris, they can. And it does happen. We hear the stories frequently. And there's a couple of different ways people can, so to speak, lose the family farm. Sometimes they don't know they have options and they sell the land to pay for care. Uh, sounds straightforward, but it may be an extreme, um, it may be a, an extreme action to do that and, and unnecessary. The other way that people can lose the family farm is if they go in a nursing home and they use 10 care to pay for the, the cost of care, then at death, 10 care tries and often succeeds in what is known as estate recovery so from the estate of the decedent that used 10 care benefits 10 care recovers their debt or recoups payment from their debt so the problem there is the person that was using 10 care died owning the property and often there's uh, legal ways to, to avoid that
1: And that that kind of brings to to mind that old saying that uh, failure to plan is planning to fail. Because like you said, there's there's many different remedies as far as avoiding this issue. And we want to make sure that families don't run into this issue when they don't have to. And so uh, we want to make sure that they have the knowledge, which is why we do this.
2: So, Chris, one of the ways that we can help families protect the farm is through the use of, well, it's pre-planning through the use of an irrevocable trust. And, And I know you do a great deal of planning using that instrument. Could you tell us more about irrevocable trust?
1: That's right. So an irrevocable trust, the the way to think of it is, it's just another legally recognized entity that you can place property into that's held and managed for the benefit of the beneficiaries. And in doing so, when it is an irrevocable trust, and I want the listeners to hear me as if that's uh, blinking in bright neon lights behind me, when it's in an irrevocable trust, what you are doing is you are making an incomplete gift and you are divesting yourself of the legal authority over the property. And what's happening is now the trustee, the person appointed to manage the trust and abide by its terms, is going to be the person in legal control of the property. And by making that incomplete gift, as you referenced earlier, the estate recovery process can recover from the estate of the decedent of the person who's passed, who was on tin care and needed the skilled nursing assistance. Well, if the property is no longer theirs, it will not be a part of their estate at passing. And so that irrevocable trust becomes an absolutely wonderful instrument because it's going to protect that farm from estate recovery. Now, with anything, there's always give and take on these things. And so if you're doing this planning for TIN care, TinCare has a five-year look back clock. And so any gifts, what they would call transfers of assets for less than fair market value, any gifts, what we would call them, uh, they're going to penalize you. Approximately a good rough estimate rule of thumb is about $60,000 in a gift would make one year a penalty. Well, the home or the farm is obviously gonna make a significant penalty. And so that's where it comes into the idea of pre-planning, that you do this in advance. And what you're doing is often uh times I'll refer to the uh or tell the clients, it's basically like turning your estate plan a little bit upside down. Most of us are used to thinking I live my life. I pass away, I have a will, and then the will says where everything goes. Well, in this case, what I'm going to do is I'm living my life, and at a point, I'm going to place the farm into an irrevocable trust, and I'm kind of going to give it halfway away, and the trust is going to hold it. Uh, It'll still be there. Oftentimes, I'm reserving a right to live there, but uh, I've given it away enough during my lifetime that it's not mine. And then when I pass away, then it'll pass my heirs at that point. And in in between, it is held in that trust. And that trust is protecting that farm. It's protecting that farm from tin care. It's protecting it from the world at large. And if you're looking at VA planning, the look back period is a little bit shorter. It's three years. Uh, and the VA doesn't have a state recovery uh, like Tim Care does. They do have gifting. Now, with the farm, the reason I bring it up with the farm is because with, if it's just a home and it's on less than a two acre parcel of land, you can make that gift to an irrevocable trust with no problem, so long as it's properly drafted. Uh, however, if if it's above two acres, then that, uh, that gift, that uh, deeding it to the irrevocable trust, will incur a penalty for VA purposes. And they have a three-year look back clock, so a little bit shorter, a little bit friendlier. Uh, their rules are a little bit more lenient when it comes to this planning. But that irrevocable trust is such a a key instrument and a, a wonderful tool to protect this cuz you're protecting it for the family and, and oftentimes this farm or this large tract of land this is the most valuable asset that the family has and they want to protect it and they want to pass it down to the next generation and I, the most often response i get when i'm meeting with new clients potential clients and we're going through the plan is at some point you see, I mean, you can almost see the proverbial light bulb go off, and they'll kind of look at me and say, Chris, why, why doesn't everyone do this? And I, I shrug my shoulders, and I think Barbara would agree with me. We wish most people did.
2: Right. Well, I think, I think most people, if they come up with an objection, once it's fully explained to them, if they come up with an objection to using this type of trust as a planning uh, tool, it's because they don't want to lose control. And that's an opportunity for further education because sometimes waiting too long in order to retain control, everybody winds up losing control. And you lose control not just of, of your planning opportunities, but the option to protect the asset. And that, that's really, control is really a poor excuse. Uh, would you take a minute to compare? transfer of a farm or any sort of transfer of property to intended heirs and retaining a life estate to this irrevocable trust that we're talking about?
1: Yeah. So when you are transferring it to the heirs and just doing that straight by deed, it's it's not i always say there's a tool for every job and i try and tell people there's not something that's inherently bad or inherently good and you can look at the specific circumstances the problem with just deeding it and uh, holding back the life estate is you're not providing any protections to it. Yes, you've reserved a right to live there, but now that property is the lifetime beneficiaries. And uh, once they once you pass away and it's subject to uh, any other creditors, anything out there, it's uh, divisible in a family law proceeding for a divorce or anything like that. And I always talk about our, our jobs here, one of the biggest jobs we have here when we work with our clients is we're trying to mitigate their risks. And we're looking at what things they're, they're worried about. And obviously the senior community, we're always having an eye towards tin uh because that's a risk, that is a, a, a threat to their wealth. And we wanna make sure that they are set up in a manner that they're as protected as possible. And when you do it just via the deed, you aren't mitigating that risk. You're shifting that risk, and oftentimes you're shifting that that risk to people who probably have more risk factors than you realize. You know, as the senior, you're you're simply worried about tin care. You're you're probably not out and about as much. You're probably uh, not worried about or being in a car accident and having it be your fault. Or you know, you're probably not worried about a divorce at this point. Uh, filing for bankruptcy. You know, uh, the seniors, I think, tend to be a little more financially stable because they've built their nest egg. Uh, Whereas the younger generation, they have a lot more pitfalls in their life. And when you place it into the irrevocable trust, you're, you're protecting it from those things as well. And so sometimes people will get a little bit of a myopic focus where they're they're just seeing uh, tin care and they're like, listen, I want to I want to make sure I protect it from estate state recovery. And what they try and do is they're, they're so anxious to do that. They take what, what I would kind of refer to as a shortcut version. You know, I often would tell people, you know, you're making the right decision in life when you're making the harder decision and setting up an irrevocable trust and spending a little money up front and taking the time. As you said, Barbara, so very eloquently, we all going to lose control, and accepting that fact and saying it's okay that I'm going to lose a little bit of control now, because in doing so, I'm I'm protecting myself and my family here well into the future.
2: Absolutely, those are the kind of things when I have a, a, a client that come or a prospective client talk to me about I I'm, I'm want to protect my land, my farm from the nursing home. I want to give it to my kids. And I'm like, well. Exactly that. You're just shifting from one potential risk to a larger pool of potential risk. Um, I do want to point out something. We are talking about a, a very specific type of irrevocable trust, a trust that is designed to be irrevocable, that's part of the whole, what makes it not yours anymore, but that it is now an incomplete gift to another legal entity. We are not talking about a revocable trust. Even though both of these are instruments that could be drafted during your lifetime, a revocable trust does not get you any type of creditor protection. It does protect from probate, um, which is, of course, the legal mechanism for 10 care recovery, but no asset protection there. So that would definitely be a fail, would be a planning failure. If you were trying to use a revocable trust to protect your farm from the nursing home, it may have worked years ago, but case law has um, in, in 2012 actually changed that as a planning mechanism. Uh, not doing anything is probably, um, a t- you know, the wrong thing to do as well. We know that about 70% of people over the age of 65 need some type of long-term care for an average of about two to three years. Uh, So it is a high likelihood if you want to plan and prepare yourself for long-term care in other ways, such as getting long-term care insurance, that's great. But just assuming that nothing is gonna happen to you uh, is not a real plan. And the other thing, we were talking about this before uh, before we started this, this episode, planning redundancies. Um, sometimes I've seen clients come in with a deed where they've moved title of property from the, the older adult, the parent, to a child, But they did not also draft a will. And I like planning redundancies, meaning that if something caused that deed or that conveyance to fail, had there been a will in place that also expressed intent, um, that doesn't really, I'm really not talking about estate recovery quite as much as I am talking about just making sure assets go where you want it to be. So I guess that's not the only person that could uh, endanger or risk the family farm, but it's just generally poor planning. Um,
1: anyway, well, there's
2: lots of ways to mess up an estate plan. And that's just one <laughs> of
1: them. There, there, there are. And I think when, when we were discussing that, Barbara, and we talk about, you know, something that you and Tim and I Every time we're meeting with a client, one of the prominent questions that we pose to them is, What's your backup plan? What what happens when something goes wrong? Because life doesn't go as scripted. Uh, And I I don't think that's probably been any more true than it is today as we've been in mass for the last 10 months. And if you had asked us 11 months ago if 2020 and early 2021 would look the way it did, I I think most people would have laughed. Uh, And what they don't realize is you you cannot have single points of failure in your planning. You have to look at what happens when things go wrong. And, you know, we talk about in having inherent flexibility in our plans, having successor trustees and successor powers of attorney. And people will ask, well, Chris, we have a trust. Why, why are we also uh, executing a will? And it's like, because we want to make sure that we have everything backed up. And so, even something as simple as a pour over will, that anything that be, is, happens to be a probatable asset. Uh, Due to one reason or another, it still makes it into your trust and falls under the dominion and control of your trust. It's so vitally important. And I want to just piggyback on that revocable trust because I think it's so important. There are still people out there who think that a trust is a trust is a trust and that once I have the home in the trust. Uh, I've won. I'm, I'm protected from all life's ills and everything else. And that's simply not true. All of these uh, different uh, legal vehicles, if you will, they all serve a different purpose. And as Barbara noted, a revocable trust, we're really looking for probate of wins. Um, but it's not providing asset protection. And I can't count how many times I've had clients come in and say, well, no, I'm good. You know, the home's in the trust and it's fine. And we asked to review the trust and take a look at the deed. And sure enough, it's in a revocable trust. And you need an irrevocable trust in in order to get this additional level of protection. And I have the stories, the one that always stands out. And thankfully, the story came from a client of mine, but it was not about him. It was about an extended family member who uh, they had Gone to their attorney and their attorney just was a general practitioner, wasn't really, uh, shall we say, fully educated in the nuances of this. And they had placed the home in a trust and the family, maybe the, maybe the attorney uh, didn't realize they wanted an irrevocable trust. Maybe the family misunderstood. You, you never really know in these things. But what we all know was when a state recovery came, the family farm, and it was something like 380 acres, was recoverable on. And it was a nightmare to the family uh, because the tin care bill had to be repaid. They were coming back for the debt. And then the worst part, kind of the double whammy in this story was it turned out that the uh, the parents owned an additional piece of property, um, which would have covered and satisfied the tin care debt that for whatever reason, just through, uh, you know, the family not communicating well, they didn't realize until after the family farm had been essentially dissolved. And it it is, it's so heartbreaking to hear those stories and know that, you know, what's the old proverb, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure that that could have been completely and totally avoided, frankly, at two different stops. And so not only having all your ducks in a row, but making sure that the family knows, hey, where are these documents? Where Where is everything? Is everything organized and, and searchable so that those kind of nightmares don't happen? At the end of the day, the, the goal is we want to protect the assets that are very much worthy and be, uh, worth protecting. Barbara, have I missed anything? Is there anything you'd like to add?
2: I think we'll just summarize that. Yes, there is a legitimate risk for chronic illness debt, um, payable to a long-term care facility, that you can uh, jeopardize your assets. You don't need to sell everything you own to pay for care. You can protect it. And you should seek out the advice of, of, of someone that is an expert in this area. You think that's a fair summary?
1: I think that, I think that ties it up all very nicely.
2: Well, I've enjoyed today. I feel like we've uh, shared some good information, hopefully. And I thank our listeners for listening again. And hopefully they'll join us for next week's episode of Aging Starts Now.
0: Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on aging starts now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Take Us McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there